Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. What a sweet spirit in here tonight. I know it's, um, I understand it's midweek and getting close to Christmas and people, some of us are going out of town. But I believe the Lord gave me a message a couple of days ago. And I think he has something to say tonight. Amen. If you would, if you would open your Bibles to the book of Judges, chapter 11. I want to give honor to my pastor and sister Boyd, my wife. Amen. Thank God for my wife. She's the best person I know. Amen. She is. She's the best person I know. Judges chapter 11, starting with verse 34. And it says, And Jephthah came to Mizpah unto his house, and behold, his daughter came out to meet him with timbrels and with dances, and she was his only child. Beside her he had neither son nor daughter, And it came to pass when he saw her that he rent his clothes and said, Alas, my daughter, thou hast brought me very low, and thou art one of them that trouble me. For I have opened my mouth unto the Lord and cannot go back. And she said unto him, My father, if thou hast opened thy mouth unto the Lord, do to me according to that which he hath proceeded out of thy mouth. For as much as the Lord hath taken vengeance for thee of thine enemies, even of the children of Ammon. And she said unto her father, Let this thing be done for me, this one thing. Let me alone two months, that I may go up and down upon the mountains and bewail my virginity, I and my fellows, her friends. And he said, Go. And he sent her away for two months, and she went with him, went with her her companions, and bewailed her virginity upon the mountains. And it came to pass at the end of two months that she returned unto her father, who did with her according to his vow which he had vowed. And she knew no man. And it was a custom in Israel after this, it was a custom that the daughters of Israel went yearly to lament the daughter of Jephthah the Gileadite, four days in a year. My message tonight, my title is A Message of Hope. A Message of Hope. If you pray with me, Lord, we ask you, God, to open our hearts tonight, our minds, Lord. We know that, that you have something to say, God. I ask you to use me, anoint my mind. Help me, Lord, to feel the sensitivity of the Holy Ghost in the direction, God, that you're leading me. Help us, Lord, to receive this and understand it. Let it go beyond these walls, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. You may be seated. I know you know the 
probably know this story and in the in the this time this area of time in the book of judges it was the time before the kings and he would use different ones to to lead them in different times and it wasn't always a priest a uh, like Samuel or, or uh, Eli, but he would use, sometimes he would just use like generals and people like Jetha. It was just really, he was just good with a sword. He was a good uh, leader. Uh, we would, he was, you know, just a rebel. And, um, and so the, the Lord used him. And so they're in this, there have been uh, Ammon, the Ammonites have invaded them, and so here, here they are. And their first task, Israel's first task, was was to search for a military leader, someone to get them out of this. And so their search led them to a man named Jephthah. He was a notorious leader, and he made this vow. We talked about it a little bit, but I'll, I'll go back and in, in, in the verse twenty nine, it talks about uh, or. Rather, let's go to verse 31. I think she has it on the screen. Verse 31, it said, Then it shall be that whatsoever cometh forth of the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the children of Ammon shall surely be the Lord's, and I will offer it up for a burnt offering. So I don't want to leave you where we are, or, or if you haven't heard the story. He made this vow. Now, Jephthah wasn't a, a man of God. He, did, he wasn't very, uh, you could see that he wasn't wise in Scripture. He was probably a godly man and believed in God. Obviously, he believed in God. He's praying, but he didn't understand what he was saying. He didn't understand that the, the Mosaic law, he didn't, he didn't grab it. And we'll talk a little bit more about it later. And so, when you read about him, you can, his whole History is basically summarized in the first three verses of chapter 11. Jephthah was, was most likely a, a half Canaanite. His mother was a, a prostitute. And he was, he was driven from his home after his dad died. And his stepmom and his, and his half-brothers, they, they, they ran him out of their home. They, they wouldn't allow him to get any inheritance. So he goes to the land of Tob, and this is where he, he gets uh, him a little regiment going. He has him a little gang there. And, uh, and this is why they came. They knew about him, so they found him. And so they, they appointed him, and so the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah to defeat the pagan oppressors. And God would send these oppressors to, to chasten his people. You see, the, God's a shepherd. And, he's, and we, we see him that way, you know, gently caring and guiding his flock. He's powerful and gentle at the same time. He leads us with a rod and staff, a rod to, to keep the enemy away and a staff to, you know, to lead his sheep. He's, he's called a shepherd in Psalm 23. He's called the good shepherd in John 10, verse 11 and verse 14. He's called the great shepherd in Hebrew 13 and 20. The chief shepherd in 1 Peter 5 and 4. A shepherd always defending his, these, uh, his defenseless, the most defenseless members of his society, us and his children uh, and, the, and our children. No person or thing can be compared to God. In Isaiah 40 and 25, it says, To whom then will you liken me, or shall I be equal? 
we can describe God as best we can with our, our knowledge and our, our limited knowledge rather and our limited vocabulary, but really we can't we can we, we try to compare him. The best way to compare him is is to, to what we experience on earth. We can better compare him with the bigger the storms. You know, we can the, the bigger the storms, the bigger the trial, the better you can describe God. I mean, you can really when you went through something and you went through it with God, you can really describe what God can do because you've suffered it. You've went through it. And so our testimony of him becomes stronger and it becomes more effective. It will have more reaching power, more zeal. It'll leave a taste of your appetite for the hungry souls we're speaking to. You know, we as a people are hungry for hope. We are, we, are, we are looking for change, for experience, for growth. And I believe there's a deeper hunger in God's people. We've been praying for the prodigals, not just us. This is, seems to be a, over the country, just a, a, a reach for our prodigals. And because there's a, there's a hunger in God's people in these last days than ever before, a zeal that, that we've never had, not this level for a deeper relationship with God. We're just not satisfied where we are. We, we are looking for depth. We want to go deeper. And so if I believe if we let the cross be the predominant power behind the changes that he needs to make in us for this to happen, if we allow the word to begin to do the heavy lifting, we will reach higher and further in these last days in any generation before us when we turn loose and let God be God amen when we let God be God when we take the lid off and stop putting God in a box we do that we, we put him in a box if we really want to see how powerful God is if you really want to see it then we'll, we'll take the restraints off God we'll, we'll take the lid off of him I, I don't want to just read how powerful he is in a book I don't want to just read about him raising someone up from the grave or, 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 or bringing sight to the blind. I want to see that. I want to be a part of that. Praise God. I want to, I want to see more than, than what's here, if you hear me. It's just our nature, though, to want more because God put it there. I'm telling you, if we'll reach a little deeper, revival to come. I'm not talking about uh, of evangelists coming in for a week or two. I'm talking about a revival. Come in and stay. It's coming. We're not talking about if. We're talking about when. It's coming. That revival is coming. We got to begin to operate in the faith. That he's wanting to put inside of us. Let it take root. And let that predominant power. And his word to become the head. And not the tail. Growth will happen. Our chairs, our seats will start to be occupied. These altars will stop, start filling up. There's no limit to the depth of His Word and what it can do. These days, our cup runneth over. Come on, our cup runneth over. These are the days. This is, this is not doomsday. I know the, what the world is saying. I know what the times are. I know they're changing every day. It's hard to keep up. So much is going on. It's hard to keep up with what's going on. And it looks like that these are days of gloom and doom. But I'm here to tell you, not for the church. 
not for the church. This is an opportunity to reach across the table, to reach further and deeper than we ever have before. This is not doomsday. Hallelujah. This is a time to minister to people that are not like us, that are different because of their environment. They're different. You understand? They're not just different. I'm not talking, I'm talking about different because of their circumstances. This world is looking at this day as, as this is it. You know, we're not going to overcome this. This is the end. But I'm here to tell you that the world is not, they don't see kingdom through kingdom eyes like we do. Amen. And this is not the end of life, but the beginning of life. I'm not saying that these aren't the last days. These are most certainly the last days. But I'm talking about the church. This is the beginning of the end of the church. There, these are most certainly the last days. I know that. But he's going to, but the, the Bible says that he's going to pour out his spirit in these last days. There's going to be a great harvest, a great harvest in these last days. And I'm here to remind us that the church is not going to struggle in these last days. The church is not just going to make it. We're not just going to slide by. We're not going to squeeze in there. The church is just getting us. We're just getting cranked up. I'm telling you, we're just getting off the ground here. This is, there's going to be a revival of the likes we've never seen. The Holy Ghost is going to do things that we've never even heard of. You've never read about it in the Bible because it hasn't happened yet. I believe that it's coming. It's coming soon because Jesus is coming soon. This is getting ready to wrap up. That's why there's an urgency, a great need to pray for our prodigals. <laughs> Hallelujah, we got to keep praying. Dig deep, dig deeper, pray a little bit longer. Stretch your, your prayer life a little bit longer because there's the, 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 the hell is fighting us. You can feel him when you're in there praying and groaning in the spirit to hell. Don't like what you're praying about because hell's had them for a long time. But I'm here to tell you, hell is going to have to turn them loose. Praise God. Hallelujah. This is not doomsday and the church needs to not have that, that type of vision. Instead, start seeing it as harvest time because it is harvest time. It's in this environment that the harvest would come. I know it looks crazy, but any farmer would tell you that it can get crazy at harvest time. It gets busy, it gets crowded, it gets loud, it gets out of, a tr out of control. It even gets impossible, but impossible still happens. Jesus said, I'm the root out of a dry ground. Now that's impossible. How can a root grow out of a dry ground? Because it just don't happen, but it happened. Because he's the impossible made possible. You know what Jesus was doing? When he said that, he was rebuking the desert. He was rebuking the impossible. He said, I'm going to grow in a dry land where there's no life. Where there's no hope. No joy. And I'm going to bring life to that dry ground. I'm the hope you've been looking for. The reason the reason we are seeing such darkness is because they have no hope. But we're the message of hope. That's why when you turn on the news and you see what's going on, it's because they have no hope. They just, it's over for them. In their minds, this is it. And they're, they're just reaching for anything. They're reaching for a cross. Everybody's reaching for a cross. 
They're just reaching for the wrong cross. And we're the message of hope. We can't keep this to ourselves. We must spread the good news. There's still life in a dry ground. Matthew 50 and 30 says, And great multitudes came unto him, having with them those that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed, and many others, and cast them at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. This is what was left of the 5,000. And, and now they, they ran out to get their friends and their neighbors and their family members, and they brought them to him. They grabbed them up and said, we, we found the Messiah. We found hope. And that's what we're to do. We're, we're to go out and get our neighbors, our friends, our family members. Be a light in that dark place. I know it's dark out there. I know you're on the job site and that foul lane was just cussing and going on and, and all that. I'm out there with it too, but you got to be a light. There'll be a moment where you have an opportunity to shine, to, to speak to someone. The other day, uh, uh, yesterday or the day before, I had an opportunity. I've been wanting to witness to this guy for a long time and he goes to church and, and I, I was looking for that opportunity and there was two of them that I'd been talking to and so at the same time they happened to come out I was talking to the one and then the other one come out right there and so I asked him I said well how do you baptize and he told me and and so that opened that door to that conversation and the other guy he's standing there and at first I, I went into the oneness and he's I don't know about that but at the end you know what the guy said the the one guy said, I believe I, I, I believed everything you said because God gave me that opportunity and I stepped in. You know, it wasn't nothing by my mind. I just was sensitive to the Holy Ghost and I moved in. I was that message of hope and that's what we are to be, that message of hope. That It'll come. Be patient. Don't blow it. We, I blowed it a bunch of times. Don't blow it. Don't get too anxious and try to push it on them. But it'll come. Amen. Back to my story. I want to go to Luke. And in Luke chapter 8, on his way, on Jesus is on his way to heal Jairus' daughter, a woman. We know about the woman with an issue of blood. She was diseased for 12 years. She came and fell and touched his garment. It seems like she barely made it. She just barely got there it wasn't easy for her to push through the crowd she's sick and hurting broke but she did she got on her knees and she crawled through the masses and she just did touch the border of her garment but that was all it took all you need is to touch him the song oh he touched me oh he touched me all the joy that floods my soul he touched me and he made me whole however in this story, it wasn't the woman with an issue of blood that Jesus was after. He was on his way to heal Jairus' daughter. This Jairus story, in this account, before he met Jairus, he, 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 you, you know when you start the book, when you're reading the book of, uh, or, or the chapter rather of, of Luke, he cast out the demons in Gadara. And that's important because in Old Testament times, this place was called Gilead. In Jephthah's day, this was the territory of the Ammonites who worshipped Milcom or Molech. Molech was the devourer of children. And this is the only 
gospel in which Jesus is addressed as the son of the most high God or the son of the most high in Luke 8, 28. The casting out of demons mark that the kingdom of God has come unto you. By casting out these demons in what used to be Gilead, Jesus is asserting his kingdom dominion and authority over that place. On his way back from accomplishing that mission, Jesus meets Jairus, whose daughter has died. But his faith, seeing his faith, Jesus raises his daughter. And so what Jesus is doing, he's reversing the horror of Gilead, the human sacrifice of Jephthah's daughter. You see, the Israelites worshipped other gods, including Milcom. Human sacrifices were made to Milcom. So what I was what I opened up with about Jephthah's ignorance, he offered his daughter as a, as when he offered his daughter as a human sacrifice to Yahweh. He, I don't think he understood what he was doing. He knew that, knew that they did that, and I don't. He just didn't understand. He just wasn't uh, wise to the word. So this tragedy that took place in Judges, Jesus is restoring in Luke because Jesus is the restorer. He's letting Gilead know that he's king of kings, that he's son of the most high and lord of lords. He came to put things back in order. And he's coming into a dry land with a message of hope. He's the root out of a dry ground. He's that living water. He's that living water out of a dry ground. That's what we're talking about tonight. I'm telling you, there's something, there's something bigger than all of this. There's something bigger than all of this. It's bigger than what we can comprehend. It's bigger than what we can sustain. It's, it's bigger than what we can understand, what we can fit into our daily schedule. It's bigger than what we can wrap our minds around. Our vocabulary isn't sophisticated enough. Our vision is too impaired. Our, our eyes can't see far enough because it's bigger than what we can put together. Hallelujah. Ecclesiastes 11 and 1 says to cast thy bread upon the waters for thou shalt find it after many days. You know what it's saying? It's saying just cast the bread and the harvest that come. Just, just cast the bread. Cast it on stony ground. Don't worry about it. Just cast it. Cast it in the briars and the bushes. Don't worry about it. Just cast it. Don't, we want to cast it on good ground, but just cast it. Just cast the seed and just see what happens. Let God do his thing. We're just to bring them in. God, let him do worry about the rest. Hallelujah, just cast your bread on the water and let God do what he needs to do. The Bible says lift up your eyes and look on the fields for they are white already to harvest. That was 2,000 years ago. He said the harvest was ready then. If the harvest was ready 2,000 years ago, it's right for picking today. Amen. Things, this thing is, is for everybody. There's, so just cast your bread, just cast your bread, not just a select few. I said earlier about the church, I don't believe the church is just going to barely make it. I'm not on board with that notion. That we're just going to barely slide through. Uh-uh. We're not just going to slide by the skin of our teeth. I'm here to declare to you that the church is not in trouble. It was never in trouble. It just looked that way to human eyes. But God, we serve a God that works outside of time. 
There's no plan ever been hatched outside of God. He, they, the, enemy, the enemy don't know what they're doing. They're trying to do everything they can to discourage us. But if we'll just stay behind God, get behind the ark like the children of Israel did, they didn't ever get out in front of it. They didn't even get beside it. They got behind him. When he went fast, they went fast. When he went slow, they went slow. That's all we need to do is get behind God. Like Sunday morning, there was a move of the Holy Ghost here. And we just kind of stopped for a minute because God wanted to do something. And when God wants to do something, we need to stop and let God do what He needs to do. And people filled this altar Sunday morning, and people were healed Sunday morning. Praise God. That just went on to Sunday night in Chiefland. There was a mighty move of God Sunday night in Chiefland, just a powerful move because these are the last days and we're going to continue to see these services just increase with power of people getting healed, people getting filled with the Holy Ghost. It's just getting started. There's going to be a, a great harvest. Revelation 7 and 9 says, After this I beheld and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, and palms in their hands. The Bible says that no man could number that harvest. No man could number that harvest. We can count up to 20, or a million and a billion. Somebody was saying the last couple of years that he believed he got a vision of a billion people getting the Holy Ghost and making it. I, I believe that. I'm with that. No man can number. There's word, there's scripture for it. No man could number so back to the story. Jesus is on his way to restore the lost daughter of Gilead. He's coming to bring the message of restoration. And on his way there, Israel, that's the woman. That's the woman with the issue of blood. She's representing Israel. Just stay with me. In the Old Testament, Israel continued to sin. And because of that, they were continuously delivered into bondage by God. And because they were worshiping false gods, but there was always a few that didn't bow to false gods, like Daniel and the three Hebrew children, the 7,000 that didn't bow their knees to Baal. There was always a few who didn't forsake the one true God. So he's on his way to, to Jairus' 12-year-old daughter who represents the new Jerusalem. You see, these numbers are 12. They're, they're not a coincidence. In Song of Solomon 8 and 8, it says, We have a little sister, and she hath no breast. What shall we do for our sister in the day when she will be spoken for? This little sister represents a future bride, but she's not mature yet. She's not of age. These sets of 12 are a metaphor. And the two sets of, you, we know about the two sets of 12 when you're reading it and, and, and Joshua. When Joshua and the children of Israel come across the Jordan River, he tells Joshua, first he tells him, all right, get 12 men, take 12 stones out and set them outside the water. But then, just a real quick word to Joshua, he said, and then put 12 stones in the midst of Jordan. You got to be quick to catch that. Just you, Joshua. You take these 12 stones and you put them in the midst where the ark was. And so if you can see that, the water's going to go right over those 12 stones and you're not going to see them really. 
They're just going to be under the water. But they're in the midst of Jordan. Then you got the 12 stones outside of Jordan. Well, those we know represent the patriarchs, tribes. But then you got the 12 stones in the midst of Jordan representing the 12 apostles. Day of Pentecost, the bride, New Testament, New Covenant. So this 12-year-old girl is representing the Gentiles, or should I say a, an emerging of Jews and Gentiles, not a, not a separate bride, but one bride of all nations. This is a foreshadowing, foreshadowing of Jesus on his way to the Gentiles. The woman with an issue of blood for 12 years is representing the old Israel, or, and, and the 12-year-old girl is, is, is a representation of the new birth. The woman with an issue is representing the Old Testament covenant with the Jairus's, and Jairus' daughter is representing the New Testament covenant. He's on his way to the seed of the promise. He's on his way to a remnant. <laughs> or he's on his way and a remnant reached out at the last moment and touched the border of his garment. He's not, you got the story. If you're following the story, he's on his way to Jairus. And in the last moment, in the last moment, she reaches through the crowd and she touches the border of his, gar of his garment. And the Bible says that she was made whole. See, if you read more in the Bible, when Jesus is laying his hands on others, they're getting healed, leprosy's going away, they're getting saved and this and that. But this one scripture, when she touched him, she was made whole. When you reach out and touch Jesus... Huh? Praise God. When you reach out for him, you will be made whole. This remnant reached out and touched him at the last moment and she was made whole. He was walking right past her. He's making his way through right now in these last days, making his way through. This, his congregation on the way of the internet, he's making his way through, watching for anybody that'll respond. He's looking for new wine. The music can come. He's looking for new wine. He's looking for new souls. He's reaching across for someone in this generation because someone in this generation can understand the ones around them. He's not looking for something old, but someone who's broke to death because they can understand the people in this environment. You see, old wineskins can't hold the new wine. The bottles will burst. It takes new bottles for new wine. And that's why he's reaching for the new wine. He's not interested in your lack thereof. He's not interested or concerned with your inabilities, your hang-ups, your failures, your addictions. He's not concerned about all that. In fact, he's going to use that for his glory. He's going to use those inabilities that you have to reach the ones around you because there's people in your circle only you can get. And I think that's why there's such an urgency, such a, a prayer in these last few months for the prodigals because there's a reach that they can grab. I'm a prodigal. I'm a prodigal. My dad is a prodigal. 74 years old. At general or district conference, 74 years old, a remnant. A remnant. When he was walking, passing through, sweeping through, he reached out 
at 74 and touched his garment. Praise God. He's preaching the word again. Preaching the word again. That's what Jesus is wanting to do. He's a restorer. He's wanting to reach out. Jairus' daughter. Jephthah's daughter. What a sad story that was. But he's a restorer. Let's stand. We all remember the Luke story in Luke 7 when there was a woman in the city who was a sinner. And when she heard that Jesus was at supper, she brought this alabaster box of ointment. And the oil was very expensive. It was all she had. She brought everything. She brought everything she had. She brought her best praise. She brought her best worship, not holding anything back, not leaving anything in the field. And she stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet. That's what Jesus is looking for. He's looking for his people to give their all in these last days because he's wanting to bless us in such a way, such a way that we've never seen before. Our prodigals are coming home. They're coming home. It's crazy out there, I know. But I want to say again, this is not doomsday for the church. Don't let the news fool you. It's not doomsday. This is revival time. This is harvest time. Why don't we just worship here? Lord, we love you, Jesus. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.